You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Tricia Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller. Episode 13. The three men burst through the roof door and were able to barricade it with the handle of a shovel from one of their packs. Within minutes, a drone zipped by, hovered, then flew back over the roof. Another drone joined it, and then two more. They were weaving and darting back and forth over the roof like giant, angry dragonflies, keeping tabs on the men. Those things creep me out, one said, slicking back his rain-soaked hair. How much rope do you have in your packs? Kyle asked. Both men rooted through their packs and pulled out dozens of feet of rope. Any carabiners? Figure eights, he shouted over the thunder. He was silently grateful for the team-building, rock-climbing trip he was made to attend the year before with fellow newly elected officers at the Flatirons in Colorado. They shook their heads and shrugged. I was thinking we could rappel off this roof, Kyle said. He snapped the rope, testing its durability. It's only three floors. That's crazy, one of the men shouted. Just then, recruits reached the rooftop door. They banged and banged, their faces smashed up against the small glass window. The entire door buckled and the rain ricocheted with each blow. Thunder rolled overhead. Unless you guys have a better idea, Kyle bellowed. Without waiting for an answer, he began tying the rope around his waist. There's only a couple hundred feet of rope here, but I think we can swing it. Both men looked at each other, then over the edge of the building, then back to Kyle as if he'd lost his mind. We need a good anchor, Kyle hollered over the rain. The recruits banged harder and harder against the door, pushing the limits of its hinges. How about this? One of them asked of a rusty-looking pipeline that traveled from one end of the roof to another. Kyle looked at it, shook his head. Won't hold our weight. Those circular vent things, he said. Wrapping the rope around one, don't let the rope near the fan blades. That would be bad, he said. The other two looked at each other nervously. A lightning bolt struck a tree near the field house in the distance, exploding it into a ball of fire. The rain continued to beat down on them louder than a plane engine. Take the rope through your legs, over the torso, up and over your head, and then the leading arm twists the rope to create friction, Kyle yelled. The men stared at him incredulously. I'll go first, Kyle said, showing them how. Just watch your nuts, he laughed nervously. The man watched Kyle wrap himself in the rope and climb up onto the roof's ledge. The recruits crashed against the door with renewed fury. Hurry, one of them said to Kyle. Kyle stepped onto the other side of the ledge, his foot slipping off the wet surface. He toppled backwards off the building, the rope finally catching an entire floor down. The guys straightened him out, letting out a giant breath. Kyle saluted them when he was finally level. He lowered himself quickly but steadily, jumping off with six or seven feet to go to allow the other guys more time. He unwound himself from the rope and the men pulled it back up ferociously, piling it into the rainwater which was puddling on the flat roof. Just then, the recruits burst through the roof door. One of the men pulled out a lighter and a bottle of hairspray and blew a six-foot flame towards the recruits. They stopped and milled around. He continued his fiery assault on the recruits while the other wrapped himself in the rope. Was it through the legs, up over the head, and around the torso? He asked in a panic. 
Just go, the other shrieked. Running out of options, he moved even closer to the recruits with his flame. One of them was a woman with long hair who got too close to the fire. Her whole head was a fiery inferno in a matter of seconds. The other recruit stood back from her, moaning and hissing. But the rain put it out after a minute. The burning woman gave the men enough time to get the second team member on the ground. The last pulled the rope back up to the roof and wrapped himself in the soggy rope. He jumped over the ledge and started lowering himself quickly. By the time he reached the second floor, the recruits had gone over to the rope and peered over the edge of the roof. One of them grabbed the rope and swung it. The man was whipped helplessly from side to side, holding on for dear life. The recruits snapped the rope, trying to fling the man off, but he held on. Inexplicably, the man had flipped upside down, the rope tangling around his ankle. He screamed, the rain going into his mouth and strangling the sound before it could come out. His foot then came loose from the rope and he fell the last story and a half. Kyle and the other man tried to catch him, but they all wound up in a heap. You okay? Kyle asked them. Get back to the subway station, he yelled before they had a chance to answer. Kyle scanned the square and could see a battle going on in front of Winston Hall. He got to his feet and sprinted towards the melee. He could see right away that Sid was in the middle of it all, holding off five or six recruits by herself. One of them was literally on top of her, holding down her arms. Kyle took his rope and folded it in half while he ran towards her. He took the ends and started whipping it into a figure eight pattern, snapping it loudly against the ground. When he reached Sid, he cracked the rope against the middle of the recruit's back. The recruit rolled off Sid in surprise. Kyle continued his assault by swinging the rope around in a circle at head level, taking out three or four recruits within striking distance. While the recruits recovered their balance, Kyle grabbed Sid's hand and yanked her to her feet. They tried to run, but another recruit was coming for them. Kyle turned and snapped the rope in his face. Sid took a moment to dig in her pocket for her slingshot. A few recruits were back on their feet and Sid was ready, taking them out one by one. Sid, just run, Kyle told her. Not happening, she yelled back, trying to reload. Kyle grabbed her pack and forced her to run toward the horticultural building. She fumbled for a moment but regained her footing and followed Kyle. Greenhouse, he yelled to Sid. They dipped through the alleys between the horticultural building and its neighboring building to access the greenhouse. Kyle flung the glass door open and began to search the aisles frantically. Sid stopped. What are you looking for? Kyle found a bale of hay and doused it with the remaining bit of butane. He spread it out in front of the door and lit it on fire. Come on, Kyle yelled, pulling Sid toward the opposite end of the greenhouse. They ducked under some potting tables and tried to cover themselves. That fire won't last long with this rain, he said. We could be in trouble here. As expected, the recruits reached the greenhouse but wouldn't walk past the fire. The rain poured down the glass walls like a beautiful waterfall in the middle of all the bedlam. Random spouts of water poured through the holes in the roof made earlier by the drone lasers. They're afraid of fire, Kyle told her. That's huge, Sid said. We have to get back to the station. They'll follow us, Kyle said. Sid thought for a moment. She definitely didn't want to invite the recruits back to their safe haven where her father might still be. For all she knew, someone may have found Ben and he was also there waiting. We could fight them, Sid suggested. 
Kyle vigorously opposed, your father said no. Sid laughed. Won't be the first time I was a disobedient child. Kyle smiled at her. Fighting the recruits could mean losing Sid. He looked at her. Her beautiful platinum hair was dark from the rain, but her eyes looked brighter than ever. Losing Sid was a sacrifice Kyle was unwilling to make. But before they could decide on a plan, the recruits retreated back down the alley. They're bugging out, Sid said. We have to get out of here. Kyle scanned the greenhouse. It was stocked with plenty of wooden-handled gardening tools, which could be improvised into weapons nicely. He pointed to the vertically-lined tools and Sid nodded. They crawled toward it on their hands and knees across the greenhouse. Then Sid stopped, not believing her own eyes. There, just ten feet from the wall of tools beneath the table, was Ben, hiding between two small towers of nested ceramic pots. Ben! Sid cried, but he continued to stare forward. Sid was frozen in her spot. Kyle crawled towards Ben. Ben, Kyle said, trying to get his attention, but Ben just stared forward. He's a recruit, Kyle warned. Sid, let's go. Sid sat back on her feet, looking almost as catatonic as Ben. Sid, Kyle snapped. Grab a shovel and a hoe. Sid snapped out of it and did as she was told without taking her eyes off Ben. Something's definitely wrong, but I don't think he's recruited, Kyle said. Kyle scrutinized Ben. He snapped his fingers in front of Ben's eyes and tried to get him to respond to stimuli but Ben still stared off into space. A flash of lightning lit up the greenhouse. Is it shock? Kyle suggested. Sid shrugged. Maybe he was exposed to the agent, but never reprogrammed. Kyle and Sid looked at each other. I won't just leave him here, Sid said. Kyle gently tried to pull Ben, but Ben suddenly exploded up out of his balled-up position. With a terrific crash, he burst through the table he'd been hiding under and tackled Kyle to the floor. Sid was immediately over top of them, trying to pull Ben away. Ben, she cried, trying to soothe him. It's me, Sid. Please calm down. The recruits will hear us. Ben softened at the sound of her voice and relaxed. She pried him off Kyle and walked him toward the greenhouse entrance. Kyle stood and angrily brushed himself off. He took the tools and followed them. We've got to get back to the station, Sid said, but Kyle wasn't sure if she was talking to him or Ben. It was dark outside, but the streetlights at the campus were still working. Just as Sid reached for the handle of the front door, the back door came flying off its hinges, followed by a half-dozen recruits marching up the middle aisle of the greenhouse. Kyle met them at the center, shovel turned around, the aisle was narrow to Kyle's advantage. He was able to jab them, groin, throat, groin, one at a time, until they were all on their knees. When one recovered, Kyle would swing the iron end of the shovel around, practically decapitating them. Sid watched in horror as Kyle aggressively and viciously attacked the recruits. Kyle, she yelled to him, stop! But Kyle didn't stop. He took to stomping their faces and kicking in their chests while they were writhing on the ground, squealing and making frightening, inhuman, guttural sounds. Sid left Ben and cautiously approached Kyle. She lifted his backpack off the floor and slung it over her shoulder. 
Kyle had finally taken a break from kicking in their brains and was bent over, sucking in air loudly with his hands on the front of his thighs. Hey, Sid said, trying to snap him out of whatever spell he was in, but he backhanded her away. Time to move, she said fearfully, staring down at the ground, and Kyle nodded. He squirted the bales of hay with some pesticides from nearby and lit it with his lighter. Flammable, good, he said. And in a frenzy, he began drenching the entire greenhouse in gallon after gallon of pesticide. Take him and get a good head start, Kyle said, avoiding eye contact with Sid. Sid said nothing and took Ben out the front entrance. Kyle watched them go, drenched a nearby ball of twine, lit it, and launched it into the middle of the room. The plants were so dry from a week without watering that it didn't take long for them to ignite. The bags of potting soil were next to catch and started to burn slowly. Kyle watched it, mesmerized. The flames were so warm, and he was so very tired. The crackling sound and soothing heat reminded him of weekend trips to Vermont, sitting in front of a roaring fire after a long day of skiing. He closed his eyes and longed for that feeling of safety and warmth and wondered if he would ever feel that again. At that moment, there was the sound of tapping on glass. Kyle snapped out of it and turned to see Sid knocking on the window with the raven head of the walking cane. He nodded. This wasn't Vermont, and he wasn't sitting by a fire. He was standing in the middle of the campus greenhouse, surrounded by burning fertilizer, with recruit blood on his hands and clothes. And the girl, who was always ready to give up, was out there, not giving up. You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Trisha Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller.